My name is Anton Hoffman. I'm a pastor at the church, and I add my greetings to those that have been extended to you from your neighbors in this service this morning. Uh, Merry Christmas. I think it's a bit early, but you know, three, 363 days time. <coughs> uh, maybe you're all Christmased out already. I see children in the congregation. What's it like when you get guests? Our family sort of goes into hypersanitation mode. And places get cleaned that you would never dream of cleaning unless you got guests. <laughs> and uh, there, there's some common jokes about guests. Now, I'm not saying these are true about your visitors this morning. But you remember it says... Um, when you get guests, you're happy twice over. <clears throat> if somebody could get me some water, I'd appreciate it. <coughs> One of the deacons, perhaps. Uh, thank you, Mindy. Uh, you're happy twice over. You're happy when they arrive, and you're happy when they leave. And then somebody said, after three days, fish and guests stink. Now, I'm not saying that. This is what the world thinks about guests. And with that in mind, let's read the scriptures this morning. Uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verses 13 to 23. He who can hear, let him listen and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the messenger of the assembly in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the trusty and faithful and true witness, the origin and beginning and author of God's creation. I know your record of works and what you are doing. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and grown wealthy. And I am in need of nothing. And you do not realize and understand that you are wretched Pitiable, poor, blind, naked. Therefore, I counsel you to purchase from me gold refined and tested by fire, that you may be truly wealthy, and white clothes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nudity from being seen and solve to put on your eyes that you may see. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I tell their faults and convict and convince and reprove and chasten. I discipline and instruct them. So be enthusiastic and in earnest and burning with zeal to repent, changing your mind and attitude. Behold, 
I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears and listens to and heeds my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will eat with him and he will eat with me. He who overcomes is victorious. I will grant him to sit beside me on my throne as I myself overcame, was victorious and sat down beside my father on his throne. He who is able to hear, let him listen to and heed what the Holy Spirit says to the assembled churches. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, the book of Revelation depicts you as having feet of fire like a furnace, being clothed with garments of majesty and glory, with lightning bolts coming out of your eyes and thunder from your mouth and tongue. Your glory outshines anything we can imagine. And as we look into the sun with unaided eyes and are dazzled and see sparkling lights and little dancing suns throughout the, the vision, the width of our vision, so, Lord God, when we really start to apprehend you, who you actually are, we are overwhelmed with your majesty and your glory. And now, Lord, we read that you come and knock at the door of our church. You come and knock at the door of each individual. Oh, Lord God, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to understand. Give us the Holy Spirit to help our repentance. For we do want to be zealous and conquerors in your name. And now we commit ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so the Lord Christ knocks at the door of Green Tree Church. And so the Lord Christ is knocking on the door of your heart this morning. Now, according to this scripture, not all hear the knocking because we have an opinion of ourselves, do we not? We have an opinion and we say that we are rich. We say we have prospered and grown wealthy, that we are in need of nothing. And that is what slams the door in the face of the knocking Christ. But the Lord has a different perspective. Though you say that, you do not realize and understand that you are actually wretched. And because you do not understand it, you are pitiable. And your poverty is something that escapes you. And what can be worse than to be blind? so that you do not understand nor appreciate or engage with the glory of God. 
and therefore you are naked. So the Lord's perspective is very different. This lukewarmness is the greatest enemy of the human heart. We think that criminals in their cells are hard to reach, but a lukewarm heart is harder to reach. Somebody who has not got the insight into themselves whereby they would welcome the knocking of Christ. We therefore line our hearts with lead and then we have the criminal's cast iron heart over the lead and then being respectable people, we are likely to put an even harder outside surface around all of that. Dr. Jowett in Apostolic Optimism said this about lukewarmness, which you can also call worldliness. Worldliness is a spirit, a temperament, an attitude of the soul. It is life without high calling, life devoid of lofty ideals. It is a gaze horizontal and never vertical. Its motto is forward, never upward. Its goal is success, not holiness. Hearing no mystic voices, it is destitute of reverence. It never bows in rapt and silent wonder in the secret place. It experiences no awe-inspiring Perceptions of a mysterious presence. It has lusts, but no supplications. It has ambition, but no aspiration. God is not denied. He is forgotten and ignored. And I must confess that I found myself in that place over and over again. In my own pilgrimage, a place of indifference, a, a chaplain to the British forces in the Second World War once wrote this poem, and I change only one word in it, which will be very obvious to you. When Jesus came to Golgotha, they hanged him on a tree. They drave great nails through hands and feet and made a calvary. They crowned him with a crown of thorns. Red were his wounds and deep. For those were crude and cruel days. And human flesh was cheap. When Jesus came to Kirkwood Town, they simply passed him by. They never heard a hair of him. They only let him die. For men had grown more tender, and they would not give him pain. They only just passed down the street and left him in the rain. Still Jesus cried, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And still it rained the wintry rain that drenched him through and through. The crowds went home 
and left the streets without a soul to see. And Jesus crouched against a wall and cried for Calvary. Indifference. And these self-satisfied ones, he says, they make him spew them out of his mouth. It's a very strong word. Some early translations use the word vomit. He says, I would that you were either hot or cold, but this indifference, I can't handle it. And so uh, those of us who have had children have seen them uh, vomit. I remember once driving along a two-lane road in South Africa and the car in front of us, the brake light suddenly came on and it pulled to the side of the road and the back door opened and a child leapt out and spewed, vomited an orange stream of orangeade or something. (laughs) God says, your indifference makes him vomit. What would you think he should do? Here's the grace of our God. He comes and knocks, and he comes bearing gifts. And our need is his knock. So whatever silence you have in your heart that is crying out for significance, whatever relationships you have that are shredded and torn to pieces and you are wishing that something different might happen in this relationship, whatever things are gripping your heart with anxiety, He that has got ears to hear will understand that is the Lord Christ knocking. Whatever indifference has made you bored with your spiritual pilgrimage, whatever boredom has made you cease praying so that it's a matter of rote, And your worship here is the singing of a parrot with your mind far away. And you can sing words like, worship Christ the Lord. But your heart is roving out there, wondering about success. That this moment as the Holy Spirit penetrates all of that. Remember, it's a a diamond-encrusted, cast-iron, lead-lined heart. And he is now Penetrating that. That is the Lord Christ knocking. And his gifts meet our deepest needs. For the first need, of course, is that we should start living out of a place of security, a place of serenity, a place of contentment. Instead of living out of a place of anxiety, A place of disturbance. A place where we agitated all day long. And his gifts cover the essentials of our Christian experience. But he says you have to buy into what he is offering. Buy into his program. And we come again to our call to worship. Come, all you are thirsty. 
Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. It's like a mystery, isn't it? You've got to buy, but you've got no money. It's offering you water for your thirst. It's offering you wine and milk, but you've got no money, and there's no price tag on it. And obviously, St. John in the Revelation is playing into that idea. The whole of Revelation is so steeped in the Old Testament that you cannot help but thinking this was in his mind. This was in the mind of the Spirit when he spoke as a messenger to the church. Come and buy. But you've got nothing to buy with. And so you have to accept. And buy into who Christ is. And buy into what he offers you. And here is what the scripture says. And this city of Laodicea was well known in the, in the known world of the time. It was a very wealthy city. After the great earthquake of somewhere around about 50 AD, it was one of the cities that needed no imperial aid because it was wealthy enough to cope with a disaster. It was a banking center known for the traffic of gold through the city. It had a famous medical school which was famous for the eye solve that it produced and exported worldwide. It was known as a place that produced fashionable clothing, a black cloak made of wool being the most famous. And here comes the Holy Spirit to say, in, to this church in this city, you are naked, you producing Fashionable clothing, but you are naked. You are a center for world finance, but you are poor. You're producing ISOL for the world, but you can't see. And now he says, I come, and the guest who knocks on the door has got gifts in his hand, and the first one being the gold refined in the fire. The gold of God's majesty, the purest gold imaginable as it's been through the refining process. He comes bearing the gift of white clothes. And you may feel naked and so what shall I wear? You know what it's like. There's a knock at the door and the first thing is you peer through the little peephole or the keyhole and then you think... Oh dear, this is an important guest. What shall I wear? I'm still in my jammies. And some people sleep naked. What shall I put on? I can't open the door naked. But he's got a robe of his own righteousness for you. And then he comes bearing a true vision of life, a true perspective of what matters. He comes bringing... And I solve, which makes you recognize that he is the answer. And of course, the gifts that he brings are not draped over his arm and stuffed in his pockets. The gift that he brings is himself, because he is 
the gold of God's presence. He is the righteousness with which we are clothed. And he is the one who anoints our eyes so that we begin to understand the true significance of events and of our lives. This is a staggering thing to behold. And so the messenger says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is not the word for take a casual glance. This is not even the word for take a good look. This is the word for have your attention arrested. The God of glory stands knocking at your door. Behold, let this grip you and take hold of you. And this is what he is saying. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I tell their faults. I'll be a true friend to you. I'm not going to gloss over stuff. I'm not going to say, there, there, everything's fine. When you are pitiable and naked and poor and blind, I would rather look you in the eye and tell you so that you may be convicted and convinced and become enthusiastic about the things that really matter in life. And so we behold. And the prodigal steals himself to return to his father. And we come to that moment of self-realization that, yeah, God, there I go again. I've grown indifferent. And I will arise and go to my father. But behold, there's a knock at the door. And the father has come to you. And the father waits to come in and have fellowship. Come and have supper with you. One of the older translations says, supper is the meal of relaxed fellowship. Remember those were days before television and DVDs and cell phones and iPods and iPads and all the other paraphernalia that makes our lives so hectic and busy. No telephone even. Maybe you lived a mile away from your nearest neighbor and here's a knock at your door and it's dinner time. This was so rare and so welcome. You remember when Abraham had three visitors come and knock at his door? He sat them down and sent the servants scurrying. Go and kill a fatted lamb. Let's feast. Let's relax. Let's fellowship together. That's what this means. Not coming in as a casual guest, but someone who's going to commune with you and fellowship with you. And all the places that you are stalled in your life, he's going to enter into them and unstall your life. Wherever you've got a log jam in whatever relationship it is or whatever thing that you should be doing and you cannot bring yourself to do it. He says, I will enter into that. And come, let's do it together. So he gives you his righteousness and then helps you 
live a life in the light of that righteousness. He gives you his presence and says, let's live together in all the frustrations of your life. He gives you an anointing of your eyes and says, I will keep walking with you that the path may be clear and you will know how to proceed into your future. And so it is that you become a Christian. Suddenly one day there's a knocking at the door of your heart and you've been arrested and you look and you recognize and you open. But that's also how you keep growing as a Christian because we get stale and dull and prepossessed by what this world is offering. Uh, We get caught up into the stuff of life. We become indifferent and so we grow by opening the door. And Christ is there ever knocking saying, come on, let's, let's have this fellowship. And we open Christianity is all about God initiating communion with you. So everyone here is hearing the knock right now. I heard it this morning when I was preparing for for today, the final preparation, finally. And there was the knock saying, you can't do this without me. And I've opened the door maybe five times already this morning. Just saying, thank you, God. Thank you so much. And now it's your turn. So let us pray together. Great God, we, we do behold. And we are thankful. And I ask you to enter into this prayer with this responsive closing prayer. It's on the screen for you. Supreme Lord of all, we confess our lukewarmness. We understand that it sickens you and freezes and arrests our relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for being a faithful and true witness. You persist with us, and now we are horrified by the depth of our self-deception. We sorrowfully confess that we are actually wretched and pitiful. With deep joy, we acknowledge that our misery is actually your knock on the door of our hearts. Oh, Lord, we are afraid to open the door. You must be angry with such complacency. Besides, our cupboards are bare and we have nothing to offer you. We worship you for your loving kindness. We gladly receive your gifts of grace, gold and clothing and eye salve. Thank you that we have Christ's wealth. We are clothed with his righteousness and have his insights into our lives. And so it is, great God, that we joyfully receive you and look forward to communion until we hear the next knock when we will again receive you with thanksgiving.
and gratitude. Amen.